You're listening to the Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I just want to speak to you for a couple of moments before I get into what I felt like the Lord gave me as a message to you today. I, I want to talk to you about what happened the last hour from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. If you didn't know, we have a two-hour-long service. Some of you are like, dear God, what did we come to today? Um, and yet, you have no problem watching the Seahawks play for three and a half hours or watching a movie for two and a half hours. So this is, this is, this is why you were created, was to worship Jesus and to be with him. So this should be easy. We should be trying to push you out of here at 11 o'clock. As, as leaders, um, our job is to lead you to Jesus. We cannot make you drink it. We can lead, you, you know, you heard the saying, you can lead a horse to the water. You can't make the horse drink the water. Some of you are like, I have children. I know exactly what that means, right? You can lead somebody to the Lord, but you cannot force them to partake of him. Here, we will always make sure we lead you to him. It is up to you of whether you will go further. Many of you, anybody here feel uncomfortable for the last 60 minutes? At, at some point in time, like I did. Anybody else feel a little uncomfortable? Like you were like, this is a little crazy and it feels a little extreme. Well, no, nobody else, there was just four of us. Anybody else feel a little uncomfortable? Like you're asking me to do something. I don't really feel like you're watching Nick up here yelling and dancing. You're like, bro, what is wrong with you, right? Our job, the church's job is to train and equip. The Bible says that it's not our job to do the work of ministry. Did you know that? It's our job to equip you to do it. It's our job to introduce you to Jesus. It is not our job to be him for you. If you feast upon what I give you for the next 45 minutes as your sustenance for the rest of the week, you will die spiritually. Let me say it another way. If the only time that you receive a word from the Lord is what I share with you over the next 30 minutes, 45 minutes, then you will die spiritually. And next Sunday you will come in and you'll wonder why. Why is my pastor asking me to do something I don't want to do? It's because you have not stewarded the word of the Lord. You have not pursued him. So here, when we fill a room that's a little bit in comfort, like this morning, we address it because we never want to go through the motions. We have a saying that says we don't play church. We play a lot of things. We love playing things, but we will not play this. We will not play church. We will not go through the motions. So in an environment like this, just to help you guys know, we're, we're going to run after him hard every chance we get. And I would encourage you to come into church with that expectation. God, I came here to meet with you. Not I came here to just go through the motions, but I came here to meet with you, amen. So everybody in this room, would you just close your eyes with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are in this room. God, I ask for you to speak to me. I ask for you to speak to each and every person here. God, we need to meet with you. We need to, to hear your voice. Some of us in this room, we're needing clarity on what the next step is in our life. Some of us in this room, we're feeling alone. We're feeling neglected. We need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's some people in this room, you're feeling broken. Your heart is broken and you're needing restoration of soul. You're needing strength. Some of you in this room are bitter and full of unforgiveness. You need the strength to forgive and move on. 
last night as I was laying in bed, I felt like the Lord gave me a specific word this morning that there's people in this room that you feel like your heart is shattered. Like you feel not just from a person, but even specifically from the Lord that he has let you down. There's people in your life, maybe a spouse, maybe a child, maybe a friend, and you feel like you have been let down and you are just depleted. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Come on, lift it up, lift it up. If that's you, I feel shattered this morning. I feel, I feel broken. Church, if you're next to them, would you just, or behind them, would you just lay a hand on them? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the great comforter. You are the great comforter. Come on, right here. Come pray right here. Thank you, Greg. You are the great comforter. Lord, I ask right now for the presence of God, the peace that passes understanding. Lord, the word says that there is... There is something beyond what makes sense, and it is you. It is the peace of God. So, Lord, I pray that that come and rest upon each individual that feels broken this morning. You are the mender. Father, you are the restorer. So come. Come. I felt like the Lord just, he wants to tell you, he weeps with you. He feels the pain with you. He's been neglected. He's been ostracized. He's been, he's been forgotten. All of his disciples left him. He knows what it feels like to be left alone. He understands your pain today. Come, Jesus. Come bring the pieces back together again. Lord, I thank you that you walk with us, that we are not alone. Strength in Jesus' name strength in Jesus name and I prophesy over each one of you that the Lord is going to mend you and reshape you what you thought was once shattered he will make brand new again he is the God that restores and renews but he doesn't just restore the old he makes it new again better than it once was the Bible says that greater is the glory of the former house than that of the latter house that he or the latter house than that of the former house what is coming will be better than what once was the relationships that you lost he's going to return back to you again so Lord I ask for faith to arise in the hearts of people here today. Faith to arise that their best days are ahead of them, not behind them. Lord, bring relationships, bring strength, bring family. Father, bring community around them, Lord, to help them run the race set before them. In Jesus' name, bring peace. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. If you would do this, if you would uh, grab your Bibles and turn them to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. It's a story of Joseph. Many of us know it. Many of us are familiar. Anybody see it with stick figures or little people on like a little board when you were in children's church? We know what I'm talking about. The coat of many colors. It was probably Gucci because nobody else makes a coat that would look that ugly. But it was probably from somebody like Prada. And uh, Genesis chapter 37 verse 5 says this. It says, Joseph had a dream. Everybody say, I need a dream. Come on. Everybody say, I need a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more because the boy was stupid. He was full of pride and arrogance as a young man. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, which were his brothers, were bowing down to me. Verse 10. And when he told his fathers, 
And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. At the Promise Church, we, f- we believe that the Lord has asked us to keep things very simple. Very simple. We, the gospel is not complicated. It is this. Jesus is, was crucified and he rose again for you. That no matter what, no matter what road you take, no matter what way you try to find, there is only one way and his name is Jesus. That he is the door and the access point. The, the world tries to confuse it and say that there are many roads that lead to him. There are many roads that lead to eternity. But there is only one way and his name is Jesus. The Bible said that the, the gate is narrow and very few find it, which means many people will attempt to convince themselves that they are going the way, but they are actually fooling themselves. They have tried to widen the gate by sin, by compromise, but the word of God says that it is narrow and very few find it. That's why the message of holiness and righteousness is important. The Bible says that many will stand before Jesus at the end of time. We all will stand before Jesus and we will give an account of our lives. Every single person of the deeds, the words, the thoughts, the actions of your life. Do you realize that at some point you will die and you will stand before the throne of God and you will give an account of the way that you have lived your life. And you will stand before him and the Bible says, Jesus says that many will stand before him and say, we did wonderful things in your name. We were superstars for your name. We cast out demons, we healed the sick, we prophesied in your name. And he will say, depart from me, you practicers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. Why did he not know them? Because they lived a life of compromise. God cares about the choices you make. He cares about the life you live. He cares about compromise in your life. And he's looking for sons and daughters like you and like me to say, I only want Jesus, I care about nothing else this is why we create space in our worship where it's all about him and it's not about you where you go past yourself amen let's try that again amen i'll preach better if you help me it's a partnership okay if you don't if you don't help me if it sucks it's your fault oftentimes the church is looking for the next great revelation i've i've been in a church before that constantly looked for the next great revelation what's the next new thing what's the next awesome thing and so you go searching for it the problem is is that you leave the simplicity of truth and so things begin to get distorted all the while you've missed jesus there is only one great revelation it is this is that you come from a depraved spirit soul body and you need the Savior, Jesus. That is the only solution. He has created you to do more than simply live a good life. How many people here want to make more money? If you don't raise your hand, I'm going to look sideways at you. (laughs) Y'all want to make more, who here wants to go on more vacations, put more, better food on their table? We, We all want better lives. Did you, do you realize that that's not why you were born? You were not created to live a great life. Did you know that? God did not create you so that you have a wonderful marriage, great children, a wonderful job, a nice house, great cars. He didn't create you for that. And he actually wants you to have those things, but that's not why you were created. You were destined for something greater. You were designed for a greater purpose. Not just to have a great life. 
Am I speaking to anybody in this room this morning? You were not created to have a great life. In fact, the word of God actually says that he promises you hardships. Wonderful. That's the God that I thought wanted to give me the better life. That some pastor got up here and said, hey, if you just say yes to Jesus, your world will be awesome. And y'all looking around like, but I live in Washington. If I lived in Idaho, maybe it would be different. God, why am I in Washington? And then we all try to escape because we think the grass is greener on the other side. Anyways, that's not the message I'm preaching this morning. You were destined to have a purpose much greater than merely providing for your family. I want my kids to have a great life. I want my kids to go to college, get married, have awesome children. I want my wife and I to have a great house and cars and a great job. I want us to go on vacations. Like I want, I want those things. The problem is, is oftentimes what ha- I do is I make those things my dream. That's my dream. My dream is to have a better life. Anybody here understand what I'm talking about? My dream, I, I cannot wait till, babe, we can just get out of debt and we can, like, we can finally buy our own place and we can, we can do that trip we've always wanted to do and my kids won't be with us because we'll be alone. That's my dream, right? We, we have those dreams that improve our life. That's not the dream from the Lord. If your dream for your life is merely to improve your life, that dream is not from God. Let me say it again. If your dream is to make your life better, that's not from the Lord. Now, let me be clear. The Lord wants your life to be awesome. He wants your life to be richly blessed. But dreams from heaven involve death to self and advancing the kingdom of God. You were created to dream dreams that you are incapable of doing on your own. And this morning, what my goal is, is to help us, to help us think a little higher, a little greater than maybe we have been. I, I dream, like I wake up in the middle of the night dreaming about revival. And I'm not part of it. I'm just dreaming about God moving. I have dreams that I'm embarrassed to even tell you about because they sound so foolish. You know those dreams, anybody here have dreams that are a little too crazy to even want to share with somebody? Anybody have one of those? You're like, there ain't no way I can do that on my own because I'm stupid and I need God. That's the only way that dream will happen. So I don't even want to tell anybody because they'll look at me and be like, you cannot do that. Like You cannot do that dream. Maybe some of those other dreams but you cannot do that one. Those are the ones that God wants to give us this morning. Dreams from heaven are impossible to do on your own. I remember when I was a young kid, anybody know Mount Solo over here? I was four years old. And I grew up in Longview, lived here until I was like 12. And uh, we, my dad worked over in that area, and so we would drive by Mount Solo often. And at four years old, I would tell my dad, Dad, I just want to climb that mountain. Now, that was a mountain to a four-year-old. 
And I think when I was like five or six, my dad finally took me and I climbed that mountain. That was a dream that I wanted to climb. And then pretty soon it was, dad, like, I want to be a professional basketball player. Now I'm white, so that wasn't going to happen. And I can't really jump, so it definitely wasn't going to happen. But I was like, God, that's, our, that's, that's my dream. Now, I realized that wasn't going to happen. But do you remember what it was like when you were a kid and anything was possible? And, like, I'd tell my dad, this is what I want to do. And he'd be like, that's awesome, son. Like, what do we need to do? I remember when I was maybe nine, I said, Dad, I want to start a business. I'm nine. Like, not generally the time of life to start a business. Well, we found something back when there was uh, the Internet just getting started. And... Uh, I had this magazine sent to me, and so I went around to all of my neighbors, my unsuspecting neighbors, knocked on their door and said, hey, I'd love to sell you things you don't need. Would you like to buy them from me? And because I was a cute little kid, they bought money, and I had a business, and I made probably a few hundred bucks over a couple of months, but I was making, I was doing my dream. Like, anything was possible. Like, I don't care what you, what you told me. If my dad said I could do it, it was possible. Do you remember what it was like when you dreamt like that? And now all of a sudden you're like, well, I got bills to pay and I got kids and I can't think too crazy because I don't want to take my kids into that, that nuts lifestyle. So I just got to, I got to go through the normal routine of life. Remember what it was like when you could dream like that. Dreams have progression and they mature with you. When I was uh, a young kid, uh, I think I was maybe seven or eight. Anybody here been to the Woodland Campus before? Woodland Campus? Uh, so there, the sanctuary used to be a basketball court. It was pretty awesome. And uh, we would have these uh, New Year's Eve parties uh, that were awesome. Like, it was just, you'd be there all night. Casey and I, we would play basketball, and we'd do everything a kid could possibly do in a large building. Greg, you were there. Like, those were fun times. Well, at seven or eight, I thought, I had, like, this vision that I was going to show up that New Year's Eve night and somebody was going to walk in and give me millions of dollars in a briefcase. <laughs> I was convinced. So much so that I spent days, I'm not exaggerating, days writing down who would get how much money. I'd get this and I'd pay for that person's credit card bill. I'd, I'd buy that person a house and I knew I had cars. I knew the car. I knew how much the car was and I had dreams of being in those big semis that have all the cars in them and driving out, coming to people's house, backing up a car, saying, "Here, see you later, here's the keys. Like, and if somebody got me mad over those couple of days, I crossed them out. You are not getting anything. You made me mad? How dare you? Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I had iterations of this breakdown of who I was going to, and I knew I needed about $5 million. I knew that much. I'd add it all up, and I needed $5 million. So I went that night, and we were playing games. And, but the whole time, I'm playing games, and I'm just watching the door, waiting for somebody to come in with a briefcase, obviously in a suit, obviously. And they would be coming in. They would come up to me and say, son, the Lord told me to come here and $5 million. I'd open it up and there would be angels singing. And then I'd pull out my sheet. I brought my sheet of paper with me so that when the money was given, I knew I could tell people, hey, here's a car for you. And it'd be like Oprah, like car for you and a kitty for you. And it would be awesome. You'll be shocked. No man walked in that night with a briefcase full of money. Shocking. Shocking. I know. And then I remember when I was like 17, the Lord said, now I want you to take your car, your car, the car that 
you drive and I want you to give it away. Oh, okay. And then there was, I want you to take all of your favorite clothes and I want you to give away all of your favorite clothes. And then a little later, it was, now I want you to help somebody buy a house. I want you to give them down payment money to help somebody buy a house. And then a few years later, it was, now, Aaron, I want you to start up a nonprofit. And I want you to put money into the nonprofit to be able to take the gospel to the most dangerous places in the world. And then we start the nonprofit. Now we've hired one of my best friends to work full-time to do that. We've sent nearly $100,000 to Iraq to begin to do large-scale events. Isn't it funny that the dream that I had when I was seven or eight morphed and matured and grew to then when I was 31, it happened, but it looked different. The dream looked different. When I was younger, when I was seven or eight, it looked like me having the authority and the power and the influence to be like, here you go, here you go. Now, now I'm awesome. Now I'm cool, right? Because I give you all this stuff. Look at me. Like I'm, all, I'm a millionaire and I just got $5 million in a briefcase. And then as time grew, I realized it was actually about me giving what I had. God's not gonna ask you to give what you want. He's gonna ask you to give what you already have. And we see this with Joseph. Joseph gets a dream. The dream is actually influence and power. All of his brothers, his parents bowing down to him, giving him praise, worshiping him. That's what it looked like as a young foolish boy. And then he got thrown into the pit. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he got wrongfully accused and he got thrown into prison. Then he got put into the palace and then nine years later, he saw the dream come true. You wanna know what the dream looked like when he saw it fulfilled? Him weeping, hugging his brothers. Dream as a young boy, power and authority. Dream realized, humility, death to self, meekness, servant, what, it, what is my point? My point is God wants to give you a dream that does not generally look like how you think it looks. Let me explain it. If I were to say, begin to ask the Lord for a dream, many in this room are gonna begin to get a dream that looks like influence or importance or success. Dreams from God generally look like you giving of yourself away. You dying upon the cross. The Bible says that how will you know people are my disciples if they take up their cross, deny themselves and follow me? Death to self. A dream from God will generally look like something that seems impossible today. But many of us have a dream that still is our father and our mother and, and our siblings bowing down to us. Today, I want us to mature in our dream. I want us to grow in maturity in our dream. That God has dreams for you that absolutely do nothing to benefit your life. And I wanna just set the stage a little bit. God has dreams for you that does nothing, that do nothing to make your life look better naturally, okay? As sons and daughters of God, we, we are not of this world. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. We know this, citizens of heaven. The Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, which means we are in a partnership with the creator of the universe, which means he wants to give you dreams that seem impossible today, but partnering with the Lord, anything is possible.
I want you to grab your Bibles. This verse is not going to be on the screen. Um, but I want you to take your Bibles to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 3. If you're not there, say, hold up. Romans 12, verse 3. It's not on the screen. We're like calling you up. You got to bring your Bibles or turn them on. <laughs> Some of you are like, I didn't bring my Bible because it's always, we bring our Bibles to church. I tell my kids. So we do, here's a little nugget for parents. We do Monday chapel at my house because I want my kids to see me love Jesus at home. If they only see me love Jesus in church, I have missed something. So I want my kids to watch me worship, watch me pray. I want them to watch me read the word. So on Monday nights, it was a weekly thing. We gather together. We begin to worship. Sometimes my wife will play the piano. Sometimes we'll just put on a DVD on the TV or watch YouTube, and we'll just worship. We'll, we don't go through the motions ever with Jesus. We worship. And then we get down and uh, get done, and then we open up the Word, and we're right now in Romans, and we go through uh, a chapter with the kids. We break, they read it. We break down every verse, and we begin to investigate what the Word of God is actually speaking to us. And it's so fun to do it with kids when you're not reading a story. Stories are easy for analogy, uh, analogy's sake, but when you read something that's actually like Paul writing a letter to a church, man, that will cause you to go deep in your depth with the Lord. So if you got kids... Punch through the awkwardness, because baby, it's awkward. You're there and you're like, I'm tired, it's Monday evening and I don't want to do anything. I get on my knees and I'm like, I'm going to worship you, Jesus, with everything. And then my, my daughter behind me, I look back and there she is on her knees with her hands raised, one eye like, what's dad doing? Was dad doing this? Okay, I'm good. Right? I'm training them in the Lord. Okay? Romans 12, you should be there by now, it says this, because of the privilege, ah, the privilege, we could just preach on privilege this morning. That's a canceled word. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This morning, let me warn you. Do not think you are better than you really are. Let's just stop there for a moment before we read any further. Everybody look at me. Give me your eyes. Do not think of yourself better than you really are. How dangerous that is to let pride begin to whisper in your ear. Do not think of yourself better than you really are. Let's be honest. Let's be humble and transparent. Everybody, no matter how awesome you are. It says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Okay? Now, my wife, I'm 33 years old. My wife is like, babe, you're getting old. Now, she is a cougar. So she is quite a bit older than I am. <laughs> she's four years older than me. And she's like, babe, you need to start caring about cholesterol. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even want to be told that word for a while. Right? Blood work, you need to check your heart. And I'm just like, what? I, I am young. Look at this body. Like, I'm fine. Don't. She's like, you need to go in for a checkup. And I'm like, all I think about, I just have nightmares of, like, going in for my physicals before high school basketball. I'm like, babe, I have, I dread those moments as a high schooler. I do not want to go. And she's like, you need to go in and get a checkup because you need to know, like, if you're, if you're doing good. Are you on track physically so that you actually end strong? Because I want to be 60 and look like Greg. 
I want to look like that. And I'm not on track, if I'm being honest, to look like that. I, I need to work. Like, I, I need a steward of my eating habits better. So she's like, you need to go and, and do a checkup. And if I go and do a checkup, they will measure my life based upon standards. This is what a, a man at 33 should, should look like. This is what their heart rate should be. This is what their cholesterol should be, their blood type. This is, you know, their activity level. This is what their diet needs to be. And they're going to measure my life based upon Greg at 33. That's what, that's what they're going to do to me. And, and they're going to say, now you need to change this and you shouldn't do that anymore. And you need to not eat that. And, you know, diet needs to change and, you know, you need to work out more and all those wonderful things. Today, let's do a checkup on ourselves. Let's do an evaluation. So let's be very, very honest. Let's be brutally honest this morning with ourselves. This is what the writer of Romans tells us to do. He says, now be honest. First of all, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. And now let's be honest and let's measure ourselves according to what? To the faith. Now, what is the faith? When I read scripture, the faith is faith that can move mountains. Faith walks upon water. Faith sees blind eyes open. Faith raises Lazarus from the grave. Faith sees miracle signs and wonders. Faith sees thousands of people added to the church in a day. Faith sees 5,000 people plus begin to get fed with a little boy's lunch. Faith raised Jesus from the dead. Faith, let's measure yourself according to that standard. So let's be honest this morning. If we're measuring ourselves based upon that standard, how are we doing? How are we doing? Are we taking risks? Are we expecting the miraculous and the supernatural? Or are we just living our life and go, we go to work and we do what we need to do and then we put food on the table and then we try to recover so we have enough strength to go to work the next day and then we finally we get to the weekend. Praise God, it's finally the weekend. Then we just get to relax and we turn on eight hours of college football but we can't handle two hours in church and, and we just go through the motions. Let's be honest. How many of us are actually walking by faith? That faith I would propose that very few Christians could measure themselves next to that faith. That is not to condemn you or to criticize you. I'm speaking to myself. God actually wants us to live supernaturally. He wants us to live beyond ourselves. So if we are to measure ourselves by that faith, how do we live by that faith? How do we live by that faith the faith that says I could lay hands on a sick person and see them recover. Because if I believed it, the Bible says that those who believe anything is possible for them. Did you know that we're actually called to lay hands on sick and watch them recover? That we're to prophesy, that we're to cast demons out, that we're to see the dead raised. Do you realize that's our standard? That's our standard. So, as we're being honest, how are we doing? Does your life emulate that? Or are your dreams for yourself? It's sobering, isn't it? 
Because for most, most of our life, there might be a few 10, 20 minutes a week if we're being honest, but for most of our life, we're merely maintaining and surviving. Now, for some of us, we're thriving and we're succeeding, and it's awesome. But if we're being honest, we're actually not advancing the kingdom of God. We're just trying to advance our life forward. Okay, so that's the standard. The standard, the measuring rod, is the faith. Every single person in this room, every person, God wants to fill you with courage today and boldness to dream bigger than yourself. He has dreams for you that for some of you, you've locked them away because of sin. You felt like you were incapable now because you feel unqualified. You feel like, well, that's just for other people. You feel like that's not my personality. I'm not that way. Well, I'm just a kid. Did you realize he gave the dream to Joseph when he was a child and it took time for the dream to develop? Why, why do you not live a life of faith like that? This is not some great elaborate message this morning. This is just, it's an evaluation. I wish we, we should all take like a, a test. How is your life measuring according to that faith? Now, Joseph gets a dream. Joseph gets thrown by his brothers, by his own family. We talked about brokenness earlier. Anybody here get thrown into your pit by your family? Right? Some of that brokenness gets caused by family. You get sold and thrown into a pit, sold into uh, slavery, into Potiphar's house. Then you get wrongfully accused and thrown into the prison. Oftentimes, the process in our lives looks very different. Anybody here in a pit? Anybody here in a prison in their life right now where you're like, man, this is not quite going how I thought it would go. I thought my life would really be on a great trajectory and here I am and I feel like I understand where Joseph was. See, the difference is Joseph was never pursuing a dream. He was never pursuing his dream after he got sold because something switched. He began to realize, because when he's in that pit, this definitely doesn't look like the dream that I once had. How could that dream ever happen after my brother sold me away to slavery? How? If you pursue a dream, you will always be left wanting because you will find yourself in a pit and you will quit. If you pursue a dream, Right, We talk of this about in America. We're the land of dreamers and we want to pursue the American dream. If you pursue the American dream, you will be left void and empty. I, I run a business. I work with many, many wealthy people. People with 10s and 20s and $30 million plus. Those people are empty. So no amount of money is going to make you feel happy. No amount of money is going to make you feel full and uh, content and satisfied. So it's not the, not the American dream that fulfills. If you pursue your dream, you will find yourself in a pit and you will quit. But when you pursue Jesus, when he is the one you are after, you will find yourself in the pit. You will find yourself in the prison. You will find yourself in the palace and you will still have your eyes upon him because it's never the dream that fulfills you. Do you see the difference here? So God wants to give you a dream, but it's not the dream that propels you. I have a dream of seeing my kids come to know Jesus. My son just turned 10 yesterday, and I'm laying hands on him last night as he's sleeping or going to sleep, and I'm saying, God, this year, give him an encounter with you. I want his life to be radically transformed this year. Fill him with fire and passion in the name of Jesus. I'm laying hands on him and prophesying that this should be the year where his life is radically transformed. Parents, you need to be doing this to your kids. You need to be praying over your children. I have a dream, but I'm not 
running after that dream as my focus and my pri- my priority is always Jesus. And when my priority is Jesus, he begins to get transformed because he sees my life becoming transformed. When my, when my dream is Jesus, when my focus is Jesus, when my priority is Jesus, now when my life goes differently, I don't lose heart and quit. The Bible says that don't lose heart, for I have overcome the world. God's overcome the world. So it doesn't matter what I go through, I know that anything is possible. My point this morning is I want to try to prepare you. I want, I want God to speak to you this morning and give you a dream. And I want to prepare you for the road ahead. The road ahead will be difficult because the devil is going to come to try to steal that dream away. In 1 Corinthians 12, 22, it says some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Anybody in this room feel unqualified and unimportant? Okay, let me read it again. Some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Let me give you an example. This is great. Any, anybody here, your wife, if you're married, say, ever talk about other ladies' legs? You all giggle because you're like, <laughs> some of you men just look down at your legs. Like, my my. Le- my wife will talk about other ladies' legs. She'll be like, man, those, she's got great legs. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, look at those. Like, they're just strong and they're muscular. Like, you ever watch the Olympics track and field? And those guys, I feel like they are so fascinated with legs. Like, they're watching these runners be like, man, that guy's, those legs are just powerful and they're awesome. And the, the stride that they have as they're running. Like, people, you'll hear ladies. Now, if guys say this, there's a problem. But ladies will be like... Man, I just love your legs. You've got beautiful legs. Now, if I say that to Casey, just slap me. But you know what? You can live without your legs. Did you know you don't need them? In fact, there's a lot of people who live great lives without their legs. You want to know what you can't live without? Your liver. You want to know what I've never heard? Man. You've got the best liver I have ever seen. No one's ever said that. And I got a great liver. And I'm a little offended that nobody has noticed how awesome my liver is. You want to know why? Because no one cares. Nobody in this room cares how awesome my liver is. You want to know what? I can't live without it. I cannot live without my liver. In fact, if I lose it, I will die. I can live without my legs, though. And a lot of people care about legs. No one cares about my liver. What's my point? My point is this. We put a lot of attention on people who are on a stage. We think that their calling is super awesome. Oh, my gosh, that guy, he, he is so called by God because he can preach. That worship leader, man, Chelsea up there, she is anointed by the Lord. She can sing. Casey on that guitar, man, that guy is awesome. Did you know that what Paul is actually saying here, that it's the weaker parts of the body that are actually more important What is my point? If you feel weak and unqualified and unimportant, your role is more important than mine. It's more important than mine. But yet all the time we got ears wanting to be nose and nose wanting to be feet and feet wanting to be arms 
and wishing they were somebody else rather than realizing that God gave me a purpose and a dream and a reason of why I'm alive. And I want to steward that well. That your role is significant. God gave you a purpose much greater than simply improving your life, but it's to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. I got it. I got it. I'm there already. I'll do it myself. He gave you a purpose greater than yourself. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your abilities, and you will seem unqualified. Welcome to the club. I don't even know what I'm doing up here. And you just begin to say, yes, Lord, the doors you open, I will walk through. I got to tell you, when you truly follow God, you will feel unqualified for every role he places you in. That it should be a sign to you, you're where you should be. Because if you feel like, I got this, you in the wrong spot, baby. You should be feeling, oh, dear God, if you don't come through, I am messed up right now. Because that's the place, that's the place where you're living supernaturally. You're walking by faith. Now, if I have sight and I know exactly where I'm going, I know where I'm going to end up. Now I've got to stop and be like, well, hold up. I walk by faith and not by sight. So if I can see... I should be walking by faith. Now, we use that to when we're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen, so I walk by faith. But it actually is directional. So think of it for your, your own life. If I'm not walking by faith in my life, then I must be walking by sight, and I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm to be living my life by faith. God wants, you to, wants to give you a dream that requires faith and dependency. God has called many of you many of you, to open up your mouth at your workplace and begin to preach the gospel. And if we're being honest this morning, we're probably way too scared to even let people know that we go to church, let alone the promised church, the crazy place. But you don't understand, Pastor, I, I, I work in a place where if I say something, it could go really bad for me. The Lord understands your limitations. He is fully aware of them. That's why he is with you and he will not forsake you. That's why he gives you wisdom. When I was uh, a few years back, the Lord came to me and uh, I was working at a, at a company. And uh, he began to say, Aaron, I've called you to create a place where I want to reside. Now, I was working with clients that were not my own and I knew what he was asking me. And I, was, I began to say, but God, if I do what you're asking me to do, and somebody leaves our firm because I said something I shouldn't have to them, that's going to be a problem. You, you don't want me to lose my job, so clearly that's not what you want me to do. So I'm not going to do that. And he began just to put it on my heart again. No, I've, this is my place of work, and you're to do everything unto me. And if you want me to be here, I will be here. If you don't, I won't be. But if you want me to be here, I will be here. And I just begin to come up with every reason and excuse of why I couldn't and then finally I was like look if I lose everything but I can look at myself in the mirror and say I, I I literally gave my life for Jesus and I didn't care what somebody thought about me I didn't care what happened to me but I gave him everything I can live with that so I begin to do it I begin clients would come in not mine I sit there with them and I'd say okay before we even start we're going to pray and I'd begin to pray. And then I'd begin to prophesy over them. And then I'd begin to preach the gospel to them. And then I'd be on the phone with clients. And they'd begin to call and be like, hey, I, do you, is there something going on with your, your marriage right now? Or can I just pray for you? I remember one time 
I was meeting with a client. I knew I was supposed to talk to her about something. And that the meeting ended, she walked out, and the conviction, anybody know, anybody know what that is? Like, you felt that recently, that conviction, like, I knew I was supposed to, but I didn't, and I hesitated. The conviction of the Holy Spirit began to set in, and I was like, I can't take it anymore. I ran out of the office, into the parking lot, found her at the car, and was like, her name is Nancy. I was like, Nancy, I'm so sorry, but I've got to talk to you about something. I begin to talk to her about the Lord. She's weeping in the parking lot. I, wa- I go back in the office, and I'm like, that could, have been, that could be really bad right now because if she doesn't become a client, she was a prospective client, she emails our office that evening and says, this young man, she didn't even know my name, that young man who came out, it was so amazing, he prayed, and I just, I can't wait to, to have people who will manage, manage my money who, who trust in the Lord. Now, now I, and that's, that, that's a simple testimony, but my point is this, is that the Lord will cover you. So let's evaluate ourselves. How are we living in accordance with the faith of Jesus? This morning, it is not some great high energy response. This morning, it should be sobering, very sobering. And I get that some in this room, you're struggling with addiction. You're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to substance. Some of you in this room, you're depressed, full of anxiety and stress. You're living in compromise. And your greatest dream right now is just freedom. I just want to be free. I just want to find I just want to get out of the place that I'm in. But I want to ask you to climb higher for a moment. Let's climb higher than that. Okay, so everybody in this room, would you just close your eyes with me? I want the Lord to begin to speak to you. I believe the Lord is going to begin to give you dreams and vision and purpose for your life much greater than what you're capable of. So Holy Spirit, I invite you into this room right now. Come. And speak to us. Come, God. Husbands in this room who have become lazy and complacent as stewards of their family, Lord, bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mothers and fathers who have become addicted to things and not stewarding their children, Lord, bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Sons and daughters of God who have neglected a calling of God on their life, God, bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit sons and daughters of Jesus who have begun just to maintain their life rather than running after you. God, bring the conviction of the Lord. God, you have called each and every one of us to begin to see the world changed around us. You have equipped us. You have given us the strengths and the giftings and the abilities. We are not weak. We are not unqualified. We are not immature. Every lie that we're not pretty enough, that we're not smart enough, that we're too shy, that we're too weak, that the mistakes that we've made in the past will just come back up again. Lord, I break those lies in Jesus' name. This morning, if you're here and you're saying, I need dreams from God this morning, or I have been given dreams and I've locked them away, I want you to stand to your feet. You're saying, today, I, I, I want to dream bigger. 
I'm not going to ask you to even come forward. We're just going to we're going to pray and then we're going to worship. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to many of you. This morning you're saying, I, I know, I know that there's something more. And I'm tired of complacency. Anybody else, stand to your feet right now. You're saying, I'm tired of living in comfort. God, I want to be useful. I want higher purpose in my life. And this morning, I just want you to close your eyes, put your hands out as if you're going to receive something. Just very simple. Jesus, I pray right now that you come. The Bible says that in the last days, the young and the old will dream dreams, that you will give them visions. Lord, I pray right now, the dreams of God, the dreams of heaven. Come, speak to us. He's going to begin to show you things. He's going to begin to reveal ideas and strategies to you. In fact, many of you right now, there's already things that you've been thinking about as I've been speaking, and you're scared to do it. You're fearful right now because you know what he's asking you to do. Lord, I pray for faith to arise in Jesus' name. I speak against fear in Jesus' name. Fear go right now. Fear go right now. If you're in this room and you're feeling unqualified, uh, incapable, just lift your hand up. Just lift your hand. If you're feeling like I can't be used by God, I'm unimportant, just lift, your, lift up your hand. Lord, I pray right now, Father, for the identity of Jesus, the identity of Christ to fill this room, that you are not incapable, you are not too quiet, your, your past doesn't define you, you do not need to go to Bible college to be used by God, you don't need to memorize scripture to be used by God, you just need to be willing so, Lord, I ask for every label that's been believed, that I'm not good enough, that I don't measure up, that I'm incapable. God, be, we break those lies in Jesus' name. I can just even see the Lord coming, and he's like buffing out these labels that you have imprinted upon you, these labels of I'm not good enough, I'm unqualified, I'm insignificant, and he's buffing them out, and he's relabeling you. You are called, and you are chosen. You are highly favored. You do not live by fear. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are full of purpose. You have identity. I'm giving you dreams. I have a reason for you of why you are alive. God, I pray that you would begin to give us those dreams today. Lord, I pray dreams of revival, dreams of seeing cities saved, dreams of seeing our own lives used. God, we want to be people, Lord, that are used by God to see the world changed around us. We want to see Longview and Kelso and Rainier and Castle Rock and Toledo, one for Jesus. So God, give us those dreams, those dreams of seeing revival, those dreams of seeing the, the kingdom of God advanced. We want those ones this morning, God. Use me, God. I'm willing. I'm willing and I'm ready. Yes, Lord, we just pray faith arise in Jesus' name. Well, just wait just another moment. Just listen. Listen to the Lord. This is important. Just listen. Speak to us today, Jesus. You're called. You're chosen for such a time as this. I'm ready, God. I'm ready. Use me. Use me. Give me the dreams that others have walked away from. Give me the dreams, Lord, that others don't want. Give me those ones, Jesus. 
Give me the dreams, Lord, that will scare me. Give me the dreams, Lord, that will intimidate me. The dreams that I'm not even capable of doing. God, give me those ones. Give me the ones, God, that, that changes people's eternities. God, that, that steps out upon the water. Give me the dreams, Lord, that cause me to step out of my comfort zone. I want those ones, God. I want the ones that scare me. Give me those ones. Let faith arise in this room this morning. I be, as we end, I want, just want to pray. If anybody in this room needs to see healing in their body, if you're here, we just had, had a word and all for somebody with eye, any eye issues and knee issues. Anybody in this room, you need healing in your eyes or you need healing in your knees. Anybody in this room? Back here, is it knee or is it eye? Both, perfect. Greg, can you go back there and pray for him? Anybody else in this room, you need to see healing in your body. Is it knees? Knees, awesome. Angie, can you come over here and pray with her and Nick? Anybody else in this room, you need healing in your body right here. Janet, anybody else in this room, you need healing in your body. You have pain and it needs to go. Last week as we were praying for healing, we saw a couple of different people healed physically in their body, completely healed. This is a place of healing supernaturally. So anybody else in this room, you need healing in your body, you're in pain, you need physical healing. Anybody else? All right, we're gonna do this. We're just gonna begin to worship the chorus of this song. For many of you, God spoke dreams to you. He spoke purpose to you. I want you to begin to praise him before you see it fulfilled. I'm gonna thank the Lord for the faith that he's given me. I'm gonna thank the Lord for the pathway that he's created. Even though I don't see it yet, I'm gonna thank him for it. So if... If the Lord gave you a dream this morning, if you begin to speak to this morning, I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to begin to see, sing this with us. I want you to begin to sing, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise the name forevermore. God, that he is my victory, he is my strength, my shield and my great reward. God, I know anything is possible because you are with me. So Lord, I will lift up my voice to you this morning and I will praise you and I will thank you for the dreams and the purpose that you have given me. So everybody in this room, just begin to close your eyes and lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I thank you for trusting me with your dreams today. I thank you for giving me purpose today. God, I ask, God, that you would go before me and you'd prepare a way. Lord, I step out in faith today and I declare you are good. You are good and your love endures forever. Come on, let's sing this. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God.
sing it one more time if you would everyone stand to your feet I had a vision as we were talking about vision and dreams this morning and I was taken to being on an airplane and I know that take Washington for example it gets very cloudy outside but when you get on a plane you begin to bust through the clouds and all of a sudden you can begin to see as far as the eye can see anybody with me this morning and I feel that the Lord is taking people out of cloudy seasons and beginning to place them into a place that they see vision for their life so often we get caught up in the day-to-day things, but God wants us to be a, be a people that begins to see vision and have dreams for our life. And I, and I even saw it in this room that God was coming and removing the cloudiness off of your life, removing the cloudiness off of your families and the dreams that you've bookshelved for the last 5, 10, 15 years. And, the, and God is coming and restoring those things. As Pastor Aaron was sharing, he's like, man, sometimes you get those dreams that are just almost embarrassing to say and to talk about. And the Lord reminded me of one that I have. And I, and I realized that I have a hope again for it. That it doesn't matter how crazy, it doesn't matter how wild, how extreme. God is the standard, not you or I. So this morning, every hand raised. I know we're making you lift your hands and close your eyes a lot this morning. But there's power in just setting your eyes and your focus on the Lord this morning. God, right now, I pray that you would come and implant vision in a church. God, that you would come and bring vision uh, to each individual life, Lord, that as we go out from this place, God, that you give us dreams, that you give, give us hope and desires, God, that yes, we might live in cloudy areas, God, we might live in cloudy circumstances in our life, but God, we're not living from a day-to-day life, but God, we're looking for vision for five to 10 years, God, that Longview and Kelso will be saved in the name of Jesus, God, that we might have crazy ideas. God, that you might have given us crazy dreams, but God, we're just crazy enough to see them come forth because they're from you. Every, every hand raised, let's sing this one more time. Come on, every voice, every voice. God is only looking for your yes. As I've said it a hundred times, and I'll say it till the day that I die, there is nothing special about me, but simply that I've said yes to Jesus. And it's the same for everybody in this room. If we simply would say yes to him, he comes and equips us and empowers us to advance the kingdom of God every single day. You need to understand this church that you have people in your life that I will never see and be able to witness to. This is not a pastor thing. This is a body coming together saying at any cost I will lay my life down for the gospel. Because there's people in your life that are accounting for you saying man would you just open your mouth. 
They might not say it. They might be the ones that are the, the ridiculing you and, and talking down to you, but they're the ones that want it the most. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm not going to see them. Pastor Nick is probably never going to see him. Pastor Aaron is never going to see him, but they see you every day. And they're saying, man, in their heart, man, if they would just open their mouth. There's people around us every day that simply need to hear the gospel. Just as what God has done for you in your life, it's, we need to share the same thing to the people out there. Amen. So, Father, I thank you that you brought dreams this morning. I thank you that you brought vision to people's lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said,